Our scripture reading today is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone. And coming into the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For all his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, my goodness. I was hoping that when we get to heaven that Beth is going to lead the devotions each morning. But I know that we'll be in the presence of Jesus. And, and so that won't be necessary. Devotion will be ours. Hey, thank you. I meant to say it earlier, but thank you for all those who, who remembered friends and who helped us decorate the sanctuary in general, but especially through the poinsettias. I think we listed some of those things this morning. And... Um, and the bulletin, but we're grateful, and, and um, I'm so grateful for these signs of life. We wanted to say that if you are with us tonight um, and would like to pick up uh, your flower afterwards, you're welcome to do that, or, or um, I think the bulletin says that um, you can pick them up after the other service. Actually, that's not true. I'm going to overrule Carol. It's the one time in my life that I overruled Carol, and uh, we're going to actually distribute those flowers this week if you don't pick them up after the service tonight. Also, someone um, lost a car key, uh, and if you don't pick it up after the service, um, I'm going to deliver it to the homeless, okay? So, <laughs> no one I can do. It's right here on the piano. If you, it was found by a coat rack. If you were hanging up your coat, it might have fallen out of your pocket. 
Wow, we have been working very hard on uh, on this scripture, and I pray that that this Advent season has been a time of deepening your understanding of God and of His Word. But I wanted to uh, just revisit that with you. We've been working on memorizing the first four, and we're adding a fifth verse to that today. Um, but we've been working on that together. Um, if you're able, join with me or open back up to that scripture, if you would. Keep your thumb in it. We're in John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Let's, let's see how we're doing, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Here's the hard part. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Good job. Here's our verse for today. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh my goodness, what a promise that is, right? Because all of us have experienced, many of us talked about it in the last hour, physical darkness. We've been in those places where we knew that, that um, fear was right on the edge uh, of our awareness. We knew that if there was not light found soon, that that we would be greatly at risk. All of us have been that place. I was re- reminded this morning in our Bible study of, of when many of us were in the Hezekiah's Tunnel. Do you remember that? And at 1,800 feet of tunnel with water up to your, to your thighs and, um, and we're below the city of Jerusalem and we stop right in the middle, right where the two tunnels met and turned out the light and, and, and I just remember that wave of fear that came over me. I knew there's no reason for it. But physical darkness is real and it brings fear. I think it's not an accident that the terrible things happen when the lights go out in New York City, right? Because, because um, all kinds of things come out in physical darkness. But all of us have realized as well that that's probably not the most scary kind of darkness. There's an emotional darkness that comes from broken relationships. There's an emotional kind of darkness that, that creeps into our lives when, when, um, when we have been betrayed, when we have a relationship broken, when we have betrayed ourselves and disappointed ourselves and, and wondering time and time again, God, can't you do something with me? There's an emotional darkness that is even more frightening than a physical darkness. Of course, Scripture says there's another reality as well, and, and that's a spiritual darkness that, that uh, reigns for a time, for a season in this world. We've seen it over and over again. The Apostle Paul warning us that there are rulers, there are authorities, there are powers, there are spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, and, and there's a spiritual darkness that is probably the, the most fearful of all. And then John speaks into those darknesses. John brings us hope. Last week we saw that they said in, in the first part of verse 4, in Jesus was life, right? And we saw that he meant spiritual life. Remember that? Zoe versus bios or biology. Um, there's spiritual life, eternal life. There's life that saves us from brokenness, from darkness, from judgment. 
And we saw last week that if you have the Son, remember that from 1 John 5, he who has the Son of God has life. He or she who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth, that God came down, is to bring you life. If you are in Him, life is in you, and you are in life. You have life forever. So, so last week we saw that vital union with Jesus is everything. But why does He say here? In, in the back half of, of verse 4, why does he say this life was the light of men? Well, we really don't know, do we, what spiritual death and life are until we find some metaphor. Uh, I was in a study with, with Chris Haywood, one of our worship singers today, and he just nailed it. He said, well, well, it's hard to understand issues of life, but everybody understands light and darkness. And I love God for this, that he always brings the cookies down to the low shelf, right? He always gives us an analogy, some way of understanding this truth that we can, that we can comprehend. Why does he say the life was the light of men? Because we can relate to light and darkness. We can relate, as he would go on later in John chapter 9, we can relate to blindness. We have been there. We've experienced it. I don't know if you ventured out onto the Lloyd Expressway or onto Green River Road. We were praying for you last week as you did. I ventured into the mall for the first time since last year's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Tell something about myself, I guess, through that. But, um, wow, what a zoo. What a zoo. And as I was looking at all the people, you know, they were all heading somewhere. At one point I came out of, I think it was Old Navy, and I got disoriented in Old Navy. So I came out and walked about 200 yards down the mall and said, why? I thought I was a lot closer to my car. I was going the wrong direction down the mall. I was totally disoriented. But all around me were men and women and children and totally disoriented. Totally disoriented. They looked, they looked alive. And most of the people in the mall will look alive, right? If you tell them they are dead, they'll think you've lost your mind. But you know when you substitute a word like, like blindness, spiritual blindness, when you substitute the word darkness for deadness, then you start to see what this means, what John meant. People aren't dead because they can't walk or talk or think or feel or even see with their physical eyes. No, this is what Jesus was talking about in the parable of the soils. They're dead because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear. It's, it's, it's like there's a whole dimension of their life that they've not yet experienced. That's why John's words to us are so important today. So important for us. These people, and, and, and many times myself, us, we don't see Jesus for who He is. We don't see Him as supremely valuable. We don't see His sacrifice that we sang of just a moment ago. We don't see that sacrifice as precious. We don't see relationship with Him as our greatest treasure. We're blind to these things. And to that extent, we walk in darkness and we're spiritually dead to the greatest of all realities to the one thing that is really true. If we're going to see these things, if we're going to receive them, like we said, it was so critical last, year, last week, 
then we must have life. And so it's no accident that John merges these two ideas. New life makes seeing possible. Now, do you remember the dramatic truth that we learned last week, right? Um, we saw that the, the world's perspective is completely different than ours. The world believes that, that matter and energy created life, right? That's what we teach in our schools. That's, that's what many of us have just believed by, by default. But the Word of God last week said, no, life pre-exists matter and energy. Life is pre-existence. Jesus is pre-existent and He created matter and energy. This is a truth just like that one from last week. New life makes seeing possible. So some of you, let's be honest, some of us have been saying, I want so bad to believe. I want to believe. It's not like I'm resistant. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm somehow standing with a fist to God. I, I want to see. I want to believe and I can't. John says, here is the secret. God gives life. We saw that in creation. But he also gives spiritual life. And if you will receive that life from Jesus, you will be able to see. I've shared with you before, um, when I first became a follower of Jesus, um, my mother was uh, a Christian. My father was not at that time. And the big stumbling block for him was the same as for everybody else. There's about five questions that people stumble over. You know, what about those who have never heard? Uh, he, had, he had a list of the same issues. By the way, Tim Keller in his book, The Reason for God, addresses those um, very systematically. It's very helpful. But my father couldn't get, get over that. And, and, uh, and then one day I'm in church. I was uh, going to a church different than my parents had been going to. And my dad shows up and, 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 and he said, um, I'm going to join your church. And, and I said, oh, that's awesome, dad. But, but, um, to be a member, you have to be a follower of Christ. And, and he says, I am. And I said, wow, wow. That's so cool, Dad. What happened? What about all those things? And, and he said, I found out that when I believed that all those questions went away. When I had new life, all of a sudden, all the, the darknesses went away. I could see. I could see. There are, are there still intellectual issues? Oh, absolutely. But the fundamental a foundation from which I approach them has changed. And, and I was so excited. Dad was grabbing something that John has been saying here. He, new life will make seeing possible. The step of faith is to believe that Jesus can give you new life. John continues, though, in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. New life makes seeing possible, but new life also brings light. Brings light. When death is replaced with life, darkness is replaced with light. By the way, the whole Gospel of John. Do you remember many of you who have been working through the good and beautiful God with us read the whole book of John? And you got in one or two days, you got the whole 
picture. But the whole book of John is carrying this theme. In John 8, 12, Jesus at the, at the Feast of the Tabernacles, that, that glorious light display, probably the most phenomenal light display that they got to experience on an annual basis, Jesus in John uh, 8.12 says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light of life. That's what we're talking about. Light that comes from life. Light that comes from new life. When you receive Jesus, you receive life. And when you receive life, you receive Light. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? If it just ended right here and the credits rolled and the music swelled and, and, and we said, yes, we have life and we have light. But there's a problem. There's a problem, right? Just as we saw, in order to genuinely love, there has to be the choice of not loving. We live, we live in a world of not love. We live in a world of evil. We live in a world of darkness. This world is filled with darkness. With darkness. Politically, socially, personally, in every aspect of it, um, darkness creeps on the edges of our awareness. And the darkness is the world, uh, the darkness in this world is evil and unbelief and death and judgment, John says. It's evil and unbelief and death and judgment. John 3.19 says, this is the judgment. You recognize John 3.19? Three verses removed from John 3.16, right? Um, John 3.19 says, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. So darkness is the power of evil and unbelief. Again, I alluded to it earlier, but have you ever watch what happens when the power goes out in a major metropolis? What happens? People don't start, good things don't start happening, right? Um, the place goes crazy. The place goes, and people who you never would have thought would do certain things do them. Why? Because of the darkness. Well, that would be terrible if the story ended there, but praise God, it doesn't. John doesn't end there. Jesus is the light of the world, right? And the first definition of light in the dictionary is something that makes vision possible. In other words, light makes it possible for us to see. And without light, we are hopelessly blind. Blind to our spiritual predicament, blind to our emotional predicament, blind to our physical darkness. Light. Like in Hezekiah's tunnel, light makes all the difference. Light makes it possible for us to see, to see things as they really are, not as our fears uh, imagine they are, to see them as they really are, subservient to the Lordship, subservient to the presence of Jesus Christ. So Jesus came as light to help a blind world regain its sight, to show people the way. Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that no one, no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. On another occasion, in John 9, Jesus says, I've come into the world so that the blind will see. 
Jesus brings us the light that restores us from spiritual darkness. So why doesn't everyone just open their eyes? Why doesn't everyone just experience that light? I cannot speak for you. I can only speak for myself. But I, I know that one reason is, is pride. It's pride. It's my pride. I don't want to have to depend on someone else for something that I think I got control of. I don't want to turn over my life to someone else, no matter how good and beautiful that someone else is. There's still a part of the old Dave that wants to be sovereign over his life. The problem with that is every time I build my life on my pride, God humbles me and brings me to my knees. Do you remember that famous story? Uh, I'm not sure how much of it came out of reality. Um, I know um, it's been around at least since World War II. There was a there was a captain in a ship on a on a foggy night and and through the fog he could just make out the light of another ship and 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 so the captain went on the the channel that all ships were listening to and said and said we're on a collision course I advise you to change your course you remember the story I advise you to change your course 20 degrees and and a return signal came back and said I advise you to change your course 20 degrees. And tick the captain off. I understand this. They ticked him off. And, and so he signals back, I'm a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. And the response came back, I'm a seaman, second class. You'd better change your course 20 degrees. He's furious, absolutely furious at this point. And so he says, I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. And the reply came back, I'm a lighthouse. Make a call. Make a call. Some of us are groping our way through the fog, trying to find our way. And, And you'd think that that would somehow humble us, the fact that we can't see clearly, but no, we go plowing through the fog like that battleship. And when we see a light, we're tempted to direct that light rather than to submit to that light. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I exist to protect you, not to harm you. Right? How did, how did Jeremiah put it? God put it through Jeremiah to give you hope and a future. This isn't about your destruction. This is about your life. But at some point, you've got to risk letting go of your pride and saying, I need help. I need wisdom. I need something beyond what I have. At some point, you've got to say, Jesus, I want to believe that this is true. I'm going to risk believing that you are life. I'm going to risk believing that you are light. How about you? How about you? Are you walking in light today? Are you still in darkness? Are you still in darkness? We were rejoicing in the, in the Sunday school class and saying there's just something good about being with other people. You can see light in other people, can't you? When, when someone is so filled with the presence of Jesus 
that it, it, the word is enthusiasm. It literally means brings God into everything. It shines like a light. And when I hang around people like that, 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 that are just filled with the light of Christ, I am filled with the light of Christ. We were, Maddie and I were wrestling with our first fire of the season. I don't know about you, but when I, the first fire in the fireplace, I'm morbidly afraid that there's going to be one of those, those fires in the chimney and that kind of thing. And we were trying to get that thing started and it kept going out, right? We, it kept going out. We'd stuff a little more cedar in there. It'd burn brightly for a second and the fire would, would go out again. And then we put one more log on the fire and, and the fire took off. You can't do this um, light thing by yourself. God has put other lights in your world. The most important, of course, being Jesus. Uh, But God has put other light in your world so that you can draw strength from their light. John's whole point here, I think, is to say Jesus is the light of the world. And if you will allow, that light will shine in your darkness. And, and something will happen. That true light, as John puts it in verse 9, that true light which enlightens everyone will come into your world as well. There's been a lot of misunderstanding, um, I think, about this passage. Does that mean that, that Jesus automatically enlightens everyone? Um, is this universalism? Do we not need to worry that everyone is going to be saved? Everyone is going to be enlightened by Jesus? No, we know clearly from Philippians chapter 3, from many places in Scripture, that, that even though the gift is there, unless you receive that gift, right? Unless you uh, believe in Jesus' name, as we saw last week, that gift is meaningless to you. That gift is meaningless. No, I think that what he's saying here. And in, in that, that this light that enlightens everyone is, is that this light is the only remedy. It's the only remedy. I don't, I'm shooting from the hip here, but I'm, when I have a headache, I take aspirin, right? The remedy for my headache, I'm hoping I'm not stepping on somebody's toes, is the aspirin. The aspirin is there for me. If I don't take it, I suffer. If I receive the aspirin, then my headache goes away, right? Um, The remedy is there for everyone, but it's only effective for those who will take it. The light of the world is here this Christmas Eve. The remedy for our darkness, physical, emotional, and spiritual, but it only matters if we'll receive it. It only matters if we'll allow it to shine into our lives as well. We did see last week, to all who did receive it, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all those who see the light, who through their new life and their trust, their faith in Jesus, are able to see it, Jesus comes into our darkness and and shines in our darkness as the light of the world. And here's the really cool part of this. I don't know why I'm losing my voice. But um, here's the really cool part of this. That light overcomes, to use the ESV language, darkness. Every time. Every time, right? If the sanctuary is dark when I come in in the morning, 
I turn on the light and the darkness goes away every time. The Sunday school question this morning was, which overcomes which? Does darkness overcome light? No. Light overcomes darkness every time. The light shines in the darkness, John said, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has not overcome it. That's the ESV. In the NIV, in the NASB, in the King James, they all translate that differently. They don't use the word overcome. Uh, overcome, excuse me. They they use the word grasp or comprehend or understand. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not grasp it. The darkness that cannot take hold of it. And it's, it's cool because in so many words in the Bible, there's kind of a double meaning. And there's one here. This word, katalambano, this Greek word here for grass, can have two meanings. It can mean that the darkness cannot snatch it away, right? Darkness cannot snatch away light. But there's another meaning there, too, in the sense of grasp. And that is the sense of comprehend. That darkness cannot even comprehend it. The good news of the gospel is that everywhere light shines, darkness flees. So what do we do? What should we do? What should we do as a result? It makes sense, doesn't it? That you would follow the light. Some of us were in Seattle uh, senior friends group was in Seattle. Some of you are here in the room. And, and we were on bicycles and we went uh, to a train tunnel. It's the coolest thing. This train tunnel through the Cascades. It's a two mile long tunnel and it's perfectly straight. It's perfectly straight. So I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but it's kind of hard to see two miles away, right? So when he entered the tunnel, do you remember this? When he entered the tunnel, there was this little pinpoint of light, right? Little pinpoint of life two miles away. Now, it wasn't a pinhole. It was the size of a train. But from two miles away, it looked like a pinhole. And, and all we did, and it was really weird, all we did was head for that pinpoint of light. Follow the light, right? Now, did we do it perfectly? No. We were bouncing off the sides of the, of the thing, and we discovered when we got out that they were covered with soot from the old days when trains burned wood in there, you know? And so we came out, we were all covered with black stuff all over us, but we followed the light. If you're in darkness and you see a light, it makes sense, doesn't it, to follow that light. But be careful. Be careful here in the midst of this, right? Because, because there's a lot of things that appear like light to us and aren't. And aren't. In fact, I think the scripture says that Satan masquerades as light, right? Um, there's things that look glittery in our world, um, but are not the real light. You've got to use wisdom, beloved. You've got to use um, the gift that God has given you of your mind and search until you find the light that is the true light, the light that gives light to the entire world. You've got to discover Jesus as the light in the world. Follow that light. Believe in that light. John 12, 46 says, I've come as light into the world that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. At some point, you're going to have to do it. At some point, you're going to have to take that step 
of faith out of darkness and into the light. On another occasion, Jesus said, um, I've come, while you still have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. John 12, 36. So we've seen that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has entered our darkness. He's entered our evil. He's entered our unbelief, even our lostness and our death. But the good word from John here is that darkness does not overcome it. Darkness will not win out. Walk in the light. Believe, follow the light. Believe the light. Walk in that light. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8, once you were darkness. He says not in darkness. Once you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Amazing. As we were praying at the end of our Sunday school class just a few moments ago, it was amazing how even in, in such holy days, um, there's still so many pockets of darkness. There's so many places where we need Jesus to shine. How is he going to do it? If I were God, I would have said, Jesus, you just go into each of those situations. But God had a better plan. God had a plan that would take Jesus to every corner of the globe, to every tribe and tongue and nation and people. God had a better plan. And that was to park himself the right hand of God the Father and to pray that you would walk in the light, to pray that into every dark place that God sends you, you would shine the light. We said earlier, Jesus clearly is the light of the world. I've heard whole theologies based on our job is only to reflect the light, to stay close enough to Jesus so that our faces, and, and there is a reflected glory. He speaks of that in this passage. That was the experience of Moses, a reflected glory. But you've got something much better than Moses right here. You've got the presence of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus said in, in our passage, we're going to actually study in this winter, you are the light of the world. This is not John speaking of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking of you. You are the light of the world. That a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and because it's visible, because it's on the stand, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works, that they can give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If God will allow, I want to invite you to come back and we're going to actually enact this scripture tonight in our candlelight ceremony tonight we're going to enact this reality that the light of the world has said to you you are my light in this dark world God of the universe trusts you to represent him pray with me would you God thank you so much I also want to say the responsibility but God it it's a gift. It's a gift to both experience, to both experience your light, Jesus. But then with you in us now through faith to actually shine as that light in a world that so desperately needs it. Oh God, I don't know where each 
man and woman here. I know that we have some phenomenal uh, things in our future, um, challenges before us, some of them physical, many of them relational, many spiritual, God. I just pray that you would that you would grant us this new life so that we could see the light of Christ before us, so that we could be the light of Christ in a world that so desperately needs it. God, I know that if that's true, I know that if that happens, the world will never be the same. We'll be transformed, God. Not, not conformed from the outside in, but we'll be transformed instead from the inside out. So God, grant us, would you, the seed of faith. Open our eyes to see not the hoopla, not all the accoutrements that go with the Christmas season. But to see Jesus, the light of the world. God, I know that if that happens, I know if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, then nothing else will, nothing else will matter. We love you. Shine, Jesus. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond.